We'll continue in Genesis chapter 5 with verses 21 through 27. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived an hundred and eighty and seven years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech seven hundred eighty and two years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were nine hundred sixty and nine years, and he died. This is mostly about Methuselah because he is the oldest father on record, 969 years old when he passed away. My grandchildren thought my dad was old. In fact, so much so that they called him Old Papa. I think Gary's grandchildren named my dad Old Papa because to Gary's grandchildren, he was Papa. So you can't have two Papas in the same family, so they called my dad Old Papa. And as a result, our grandchildren and my siblings' grandchildren, even to this day, refer to Dad as Old Papa. He died at, at 92 and a half years old. And that was in 2019, early in 2019. His goal uh, the last 15 or 20 years of his life was to live at least as long as mom lived because he felt like she needed his care, and she did, even if she didn't know it. But um, he came close eight months and later. My mom passed away. Anyway, old Papa had uh, seven children, um, was married 71 years to mom, 23 grandchildren, 39 great-grandchildren, and six great-great-grandchildren. But Methuselah, well, if that constitutes doing well, then he did better. And we don't know all of um, his descendants, but they uh, were many while he lived. And age is relative, I do understand that. At uh, 20 years old, you, you view those who are in their 40s as elderly. I did when Debbie and I were married. Her parents were in their 40s, and that's how I viewed them. When you're in your 40s, you view those in their 60s as elderly. When you're in your 60s, you, you view those in their late 70s and, well, not as old as they used to be. So there really is a relative, but there's four points we notice here at the outset in this chapter 5. The first is that man was created. He did not evolve from some lower form of life, and actually the lower forms of life were created the day before he was. And the rest of the animal kingdom earlier in the day that he was created... We, we read that God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. 
And that's the second thing we notice, male and female created he them. So first, in God's image, we, in that sense, are intellectual creatures, even if we don't show it sometimes. But uh, unlike the animals who respond, for the most part, instinctively, we can reason, we can use logic, we can calculate. So we're intellectual creatures. We are also moral creatures in that we have a conscience which can serve as a guide unless it's seared with a hot iron. The animals don't live with regrets years after making a bad decision. But we're, we are, we're moral creatures. We can make good choices. We can make poor choices. And another element of the fact that we're in the likeness of God is that we are immortal in the sense that we possess a soul that will exist somewhere throughout eternity. So we were created. And we were created in the uh, likeness of God. And that leads to the second thing we, we note is that unlike Adam and Eve, who were created in the likeness of God, their offspring were created in the likeness of Adam. So whereas Adam and Eve were created with a, a holy nature, they were created clean in that sense, still had the power to choose. That was the capacity God bestowed upon them by virtue of being in his likeness. But at least in the beginning, they were created in true in holiness and, and true righteousness. Well, that's not the case with Seth. He was born with his fallen, uh, with the nature of his fallen parents, which was corrupt. Instead of a bias toward good, it's a bias that eventually manifests itself toward evil. Romans 5.19 tells us that one man's disobedience made all of us sinners. But even there, Paul didn't leave us without hope. He, he says, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Speaking of Christ, so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. But Seth was born in the likeness of his parents. And as I, as I noted, another element of all of this uh, that we learn in this chapter is God created them male and female. So these men and their female uh, counterparts produced sons and daughters, boys and girls. Those boys grew up to become men and those girls grew up to become women. And in time, those men and those women had more boys and girls and thus fulfilled the mandate of God that they were to replenish the earth. Nowadays, I'm told that those who bear children are are. Well, I'm not, I'm not confident I have this exactly right, but they're birthing persons. I think you ought to take that subject up with a mother. 
and see how they feel about it. A birthing person, by the way, would be uh, like a, uh, a doctor or a nurse who helps facilitate uh, the birthing process of the mother or maybe a midwife. But anyway, they produce boys and girls and it was evident at birth whether the child was a boy or whether it was a girl. And for those who dictate that we ought to follow the science, I feel like we ought to follow the science on that. God bless them and said at the conclusion of that sixth day, it's very good, and it was. When we subordinate ourselves to God's order in all aspects of life, it's good, it's very good. When we step outside that order that God has um, mandated, it's not as good, and sometimes it ends very poorly. Actually, I think we can say all the time it ends very poorly. And so that is the product of what we're seeing in our society today when corrupt teachings are designed to dismantle and destabilize the family unit. You end up with a society that's in chaos. But when we hold fast to God's teachings and teach those teachings to our children without apology, then they can be better guided into adulthood and lead a life of stability. So we notice they were created. We notice they were created in the likeness of God. Uh, we notice that they begat sons and daughters. And finally, uh, we notice, among other things, perhaps that you might notice, but uh, we notice they, they each died with the exception of one. They died. Whether young or older, that's the outcome. We, with the fall, cannot and do not expect to live forever. Uh, short of the rapture coming, we, we will live forever in the sense that we have eternal life. But these uh, bodies, as a result of the fall, were designed to wear out. And uh, the fact that each died emphasizes the lasting consequences of Adam's sin. Disobedience to God's order has consequences, and those consequences uh, exist to this day. The fact that the blood of an animal was shed to cover their uh, shame and embarrassment, and also most likely to atone for their sin, uh, did not negate the fact that consequences followed. They were still driven from the garden. Uh, we, we still must till the ground, and uh, mothers still must uh, bear children in, in, in pain. But even so, that uh, promise of forgiveness and redemption uh, still exists. We see a few things from uh, Methuselah. First of all, we see the conversion of his father when Enoch looked into the eyes of that baby boy. Something had happened to him. We might call that a sense of responsibility. 
We're not just responsible for ourselves and for our own eternal destiny. We're responsible for those we impact. And in particular, fathers are responsible for their sons and daughters. So are mothers. When fathers abdicate their responsibility, we end up with the degeneration of the family unit that God, God ordained from the, from the beginning. So Enoch was saved or converted. He began to walk with God. And he did so for another 300 years until he was not, for God took him. But in, in his childhood, I dare say that Methuselah learned a lot from his father. He, he learned from his testimony. He learned uh, that his father had a testimony. And I'm, uh, we can be confident that his father emphasized the need to his uh, son. You need to have a testimony as well, Methuselah. They no doubt uh, prayed together, uh, looked to, to God together. That's what fathers do with their uh, children and grandfathers with their uh, grandchildren. It's uh, one of the blessings of being a, a grandfather as we can uh, pray with our uh, grandchildren and have the, the blessings of, of doing that without the responsibility of uh, correcting them and uh, taking imposing measures to make sure that the appropriate boundaries are, are respected. We've uh, prayed with our children and with our grandchildren, still pray for all of them, of course, but even when they're young, we have the liberty of praying about things that maybe they're, they haven't heard prayed about before. I learned from my own wife that when our own children were young, she began to pray for their spouses. So I took up that cue and with my grandchildren, been able to pray uh, with them. And when they're only eight or nine or 10 years old and repeating after me or learning or praying on their behalf, Pray, thanking God for their mothers and for their fathers and for their siblings and praying that they'll, they'll be a good brother or a good sister in the case of the one granddaughter. Uh, but then uh, pray for certain things and uh, recall praying with one grandchild and, and, and uh, as he's listening and saying to him as just a youngster, and I, and I pray for my wife. And he looks up at me like, my wife? What are you talking about? Well, I was able to tell him, you, you pray for your wife now. You don't wait until just before you're married or just after you're married and, and pray about your wife. You pray now. Uh, but furthermore, it's an opportunity to instill in them, if you live a life that is pleasing to God, uh, you can pray for your wife, who is also having parents pray for her, uh, that she will live a life that is pleasing to God. And guess what? When the time comes... Down the line, and for my grandchildren, I, I tell them, I'll let you know when that time has arrived. But it'll be a while. Uh, God will bless uh, that union. But don't expect to live uh, like the devil and then capture uh, one who has devoted herself to God. That's the way they operate in the world, is, is you sow wild oats and uh, live in a manner that is reckless. And then you decide, well, I think it's time to settle down. And you look around at somebody who's virtuous. Well, if you're virtuous, look the other way. So I'd like to think that Methuselah 
married a wife that he prayed about when he was just a child. And they, in turn, um, had, had children. But Methuselah heard his dad uh, teach, heard him preach, and he prophesied of end times, uh, Enoch did. He prophesied of the day when the Lord would come with ten thousands, plural, of his saints. And he could have uh, declared that before there were even ten thousand, singular, in existence. But he looked far off down the line uh, where the Lord would establish a kingdom upon the earth. And that day is still coming. Enoch saw it. And we, we have a glimpse of it as well. It's going to happen. And it may not be very long. It's at least seven years away, um, no doubt. But it may be just that. We've had uh, six millenniums, and it's about time for a millennium of rest where the curse will be lifted. Well, Methuselah almost lived a millennium. He understood that there was a day coming and he needed to prepare for it. Well, there's still a day coming. We need to prepare for it. Fathers need to prepare their children for it. He grew up, we might say, Enoch, or Methuselah did in the lap of the gospel. What a, what a blessing, what a privilege. And it's a, it's a privilege to some disregard after a time and walk away from. I, I frankly I have a hard time grasping that. I didn't have that, that privilege, but uh, I finally came around and I saw it and embraced it. And I certainly admire those that did like I did, whether it was younger or, or at my age or even later on, who are still here. There's a lesson in that. You can uh, secure it and hold fast to it, stick with it, and still have it. In Methuselah's case, not decades later, but centuries later. Well, Methuselah looked around and he, he saw a distinction between those who were living for God and those who were not. Between, between those who were uh, stable and content and uh, those who were confused and restless. Well, that's not hard to see any in any day. It's not hard to see in our day. Well, notice those who live in peace and harmony and pursue that. It's obtainable, and it's a blessing to, to possess. Well, when he was 187 years old, Methuselah, his son was born. Lamech, and with all of these, they begat sons and daughters. There were others. We read only about a handful. So he began, the, Lamech was born, and uh, Methuselah began to instill in the heart of Lamech the same uh, truths that he had learned from his father. When Methuselah was 243 years old, roughly, uh, Adam died. And that was different. It's possible that there were other deaths, given that there were other sons and daughters born. But it's the first uh, recorded one. It was different than Enoch, who was not, for God took him. And for some reason, they all knew he didn't die. He was just gone. Before, before he was translated, they knew he was translated. He had this testimony that he pleased God. So he walked a walk in a, in a circumspect manner uh, to where 
when he turned up missing, they all knew he was translated. But this was different with Adam. He died. The first funeral, perhaps. Wow, grief struck a society. They, they didn't. I mean, grief isn't, isn't a lot of fun, but perhaps they, they leaned then on the preaching and teaching of Enoch, who could understand that there's a better day coming. And so that uh, provided them uh, some uh, comfort, even though they were confronted with their uh, mortality. And we are, every time there's a funeral for anyone, we all realize that our summons will come. Well, 57 years later is where Enoch was taken. So I got those two uh, reversed. It was different, but when Enoch was gone, it, um, it wasn't a funeral like it was for Adam. And then at age 355, Seth died, the son of Adam and Eve. So this was, uh, was 112 years after Adam died, a second funeral. And so grief strikes again. But so does hope come and a realization that uh, we're not to live for this world, whether we uh, live to be 20, 40, 60, or 92 and a half, or 969 years. We're mortal uh, creatures. We're only immortal in the sense that we have a soul that will exist somewhere throughout eternity, and we want that place to be heaven. At 369 years old, his grandson... Noah was born to Lamech. Noah means rest. Lamech felt that there was a better day coming and perhaps it would come through Noah, though he could not have grasped how that rest would come and the fact that it would would be uh, found in the destruction of nearly the entire human race because by now the uh, corruption of those who... uh, were of Cain had filtered in to the better line of Seth. The Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners. And it's uh, very typical that uh, even a generation that starts out strong and, and solid and holy, over a period of time, there's an eroding of the faith. We're forewarned. It happened. And the last 600 years of the life of Methuselah was spent in the days of Noah. And in the days of Noah, the earth was corrupt. And we're not talking about the planet. It's the people of the earth who were corrupt, following the sinful ways and following the the inclination of the carnality with which they were born. It always goes that way, assured of the blood of Jesus being availed are being availed of. So God saw that wickedness and told Noah to build an ark. And that began when Methuselah was 849 years old. And when Methuselah, at that age, uh, heard the plan that, that God had for Noah... I like to think that he stepped up uh, to uh, his grandson and said, I'll help you with that. 
And before long, uh, he, when his grandson wasn't looking, he climbed up a ladder and began uh, fastening uh, the uh, boards together. And that reminds me of when uh, Harlan, my brother, saw my dad at age 90 or so up on a ladder cleaning uh, the gutters of the house. And he sauntered over there and said, What are you doing, Dad? And my dad was kind of sheepish, knowing he did not belong on a ladder at age 90. Well, Methuselah was 849 years old. And then 20 years old, his great-grandchildren were born. And when he was age 964, his son died. And became an example of one where the parent did not outlive the child. And grief struck him as only those who've been in that situation could possibly understand, but it, it happened with Methuselah. And then at 969 years old, the year of the flood, and I, I like to think that he died before the flood rather than in the flood, and I suspect it was indeed before the flood, when I, well, thinking that before he died, he had parting instructions to Noah as he saw that structure nearly complete, and he just told him, good job, Noah. Thanks for living for the Lord. Thanks for holding the faith. Thanks for sticking with it. Well, we have an opportunity to embrace the faith and then stick with it. It's one thing to start. and something entirely different to finish. But look around uh, you at those who have been in this race for decades. It's not because it was easy. It's because it was true. It's because the grace of God was more than enough to overcome any challenge or any discouragement that confronted them. It is enough. It's more than enough. We have to start. If you haven't started yet, get started today. Do it. You'll never forget Father's Day 2021. It's the day you got started. And you may not forget it anyway because it's the day you renewed your vows and you said, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna show my determination and be the example that God has called me to be to those around me. And I'm going to keep it up uh, to where that when I'm, I'll just say as old as Methuselah, people will look on me and think he, he kept it. He stuck with it. And God bless you as you endeavor to do that. We'll have a song of invitation as we go into this time of prayer.